2: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast,
0: the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky,
1: Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky.
0: It's coaching carousel time again, and one guy that's available is former Ohio State assistant Zach Smith. Come on, athletic directors. Give the guy a chance. I promise he's changed.
1: <laughs> he's a changed man. I can I can really sense it on Twitter right now. I'm also with Mac.
3: What's up, Redcasters? Hoping to get out to another fast start, just like our beloved Huskers have. Six out of the last, what, seven games scoring the first drive. That's what we do here at the Redcast. First three segment play, scores.
1: Three-play, one-minute drives. That's the way I like to start, man. All right, I'm also with Boomer.
2: Well, I'd just like to uh, reach out and uh, remind our uh, any of our loyal Iowa listeners that, unlike Noah Fant, I will be making appearances in the second half of this podcast.
3: <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh! Do you want some sunscreen oh. for that burn, Iowa?
1: Hopefully, Iowa Sean's still listening to this season. Hopefully, he hasn't given up, but apparently, uh, Forensic and company have given up on Noah Fant. We, we don't understand why Noah is not a part of their offense any longer, but uh, that is the case. But we're not here to talk about Iowa. We're here about about Nebraska, and uh, another victory uh, for Nebraska this Saturday, another early game at Memorial Stadium. It was a little icy out there, the coldest kickoff in 25 years. But uh, Boomer, I know, was there and was able to to watch a Husker victory, uh, 600 yards of offense, tons of points. Uh, let's start with Boomer, actually, Uh what was the uh, the atmosphere there at that early kickoff, and uh, what did you think of the Huskers? Well, the atmosphere was cold, Dave.
2: It was a frigid <laughs> and cold, I'll tell you that. It's uh, not the coldest Husker game I've ever been to. There's probably one or two others that I would say were, were more arctic than that. But uh, it was chilly. But regardless, it looked good on the field. I think the yeah the offensive performance, anyway, we'll break both of those down here later. But that's, I think, what you want to see out of the offense. I think we've finally seen a click and... Man, he almost thought you were in a Big Twelve game there for a while, which actually made for kind of fun watching, you know, as a fan. So yeah, yeah it was good. So yeah, I enjoyed uh, that part of it.
1: Absolutely. You know, let's uh, head right into our offensive breakdown. Scoring explosion. The offensive breakdown. And Honky, uh, you know, I think this was a really interesting test to see the Scott Frost offense in very much Big Ten weather conditions. It was cold. It was windy and it still uh, worked quite well. What do, you, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, it worked quite well, and it worked immediately. <laughs> First drive, as you guys mentioned, about three plays, uh, a lot of balance. I haven't used that word in a while, but over 300 yards rushing and almost 300 yards passing. I, I got the feeling, especially in the third quarter, where it felt like we were throwing the ball, you know, about 90% of the time there for a while. I, I really felt that the coaches thought they had the game in hand, and I, want, I think they wanted to try some things. They wanted to, to test the receivers. They wanted to test Martinez in what we would call Big Ten conditions the next two games. We're going to be playing defenses that are going to be obviously better than what Illinois was, and we may have to throw the ball around a little bit. And I think they wanted to test them, which is one of the reasons why we saw so much throwing at a time, I think, in a normal game a year or two from now. We probably would have been just running the ball over Illinois as that game went on. But at that point, I think – I really got the feeling that they were in, in kind of test it mode and tried, to, tried some different things.
1: Sure. Uh, Mac, you want to mm-hmm. jump on that just in the sense that it did it felt like Adrian Martinez maybe had a few overthrows, et cetera, because of the win. But then you looked at the stat line, still throws 70% completions, three touchdowns, had a great day.
3: Yeah, isn't that interesting that it does feel like oh, almost like he underperformed? And you look at the stat line, i like, well, those are remarkably good numbers, you know? for any quarterback any game but it's true um you know that was kind of an interesting quarter and you wonder if that's just an experience thing about learning how to throw in the wind because a couple times he lobbed him and maybe he could have drove him he certainly has the arm talent to do that it might just be an experience thing or a trust thing that he he develops over time but I think you're right I think that was uh, maybe one of the reasons they were trying some of that stuff more as the game went on but another factor is that you know Maurice Washington was kind of dinged up and we didn't have a ton of depth at running back you know I don't know that they wanted to run divine too much more. It just kind of depends on what they were looking to do. But I do think Maurice Washington going down when he did did sort of tighten up the run game to some to some extent. You know, it's funny though. You think Zigbo has this big day, and you look at his stat line; it's only 11 carries. You know, it's just crazy how many times he's broken out for like 100 plus games, and his carries are so low. I think that's going to be a real side benefit to this offense going forward. We're this deep into the season. He's averaging like seven odd yards a carry, you know, as, as other guys develop, you know, they're going to be not only explosive and productive, but they're going to be healthy and fresh late in the year. So um, that's that's one added benefit of this offense.
1: Yeah, I think that's a it's a great point. I mean, Divine, yeah, like I had like a dozen carries or so still at 160 yards creeping close to that thousand yard mark, which would be exciting to see. Uh, Honky, other thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I, I think what what Azigbo's done this year, I, it just blows my mind. Every game he outdoes what he did the prior one, and what we're seeing out of him he, the speed, the the breakaway speed. Where in the world did that come from? That wasn't there. If I was four watching him on ago.
3: any other team, if I just saw him on another team breakaway like he did in this game, I'd say, man, that dude is fast. But like it's divine, and you're like, hmm. Is he fast? Is that defense slow? I'm like, it's just crazy how much faster. He looks fast though. We're
0: finally getting some points with this offense. So, because we can talk stats. I mean, we know what Ezekiel is now up to 900 and like 50 yards. So yeah. he's basically short of something drastically weird going on. He's going to hit his thousand. We now have both uh, Morgan and Spielman are well into the eight hundreds. Mm-hmm. They should hit, you know, or they could very easily hit the thousand each in receiving. Um, Martinez is up to like 2,300 and some passing yards. The stats are there. In fact, right now Nebraska's 13th nationally in total offense. Uh, last year we finished 84th, so progress, right? But these next two opponents that we're going to be playing, we're going to be playing Michigan State and Iowa teams that have much higher-ranked defenses than what we've seen. So uh, it's going to be important. In fact, against the run, Michigan State's number one nationally against the run. Iowa's number eight. So we're going to be able to I'm, – I'm curious to see how we run against those teams. Because I don't see us going out there and them stopping us for 50 yards rushing. Like some of our teams in the past would have been stopped. We're going to be able to run on these guys. But obviously I think that threat of the past too, I mean, we're going to be able to do a lot. I'm curious to see how we play these last two against these defenses.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. Obviously you have to take the entire season to account to run the numbers though. If you could actually take out that Michigan game from the stat line, I mean, some of these numbers per game would be really impressive. I mean, because think about it, Martinez – I think threw for like fifteen yards and had negative rushing yards versus Michigan, right? Mm. I mean, and so his yards per game. I mean, it just the Michigan game just like kill you know changes the math on everything. So it is interesting.
0: I'd love to play Michigan again, not because I think we'd beat them, but just to see where we're at, how different we would have played them today. Like Michigan, I, I firmly believe this offense could go out and put twenty points up virtually against anyone, including in Alabama who has just shut out two teams in a row from the great sec i i believe this offense is it's at that point where i mean it could be putting up points against anyone now that doesn't mean we're going to beat michigan it's just i'd love to see to try to compare where we were at then versus today
1: for sure sure mac um you had you mentioned mo washington got a little dinged up there also uh, jd spillman a little bit dinged up are you concerned about that going forward
3: no, I guess I'm not. The way Frost addressed it in the post game, he made it sound like uh, that Maurice was n- like nursing something, and and JD was just going to be a little bit sore, and probably just the nature of the game. We had it pretty well in hand at that point, and there was really no reason going forward to get these guys dinged up. They, I think, they kind of played it smart um, and just rested those guys, knowing that Iowa and Michigan State those are going to be big, big challenges. So those guys need to be as fresh as possible. It's been a long year. We haven't had a bye week. So um, the game was in hand. You know, we get to 50 points, and two two of our biggest contributors on offense all year long didn't do that much. Although with their touches, they did, I mean— he still averaged like fourteen yards of carry in race Washington, had some huge runs. Huh. Yeah. That's, that's right. Just, you know, it's crazy how many big plays. I mean, I'm, I'm already getting to be like kind of a snobby fan of like, okay, it's been about six plays now, probably should score. You
1: know? <laughs> that's really a really good point. I mean, like I, I'm intrigued with this offense is like I mean, we've seen like other teams like Purdue, like you have a huge offensive day and you're like, Wow, that offense is explosive. That's really exciting to watch and then they go and just tank it versus Minnesota this week and it's like what happened right and the question is is can this offense sustain this type of success and in the with Purdue situation it's not like Minnesota's defense was any good i I've, i can't explain how purdue had that poor of a performance this week well, no, have
2: shopping for real estate in Louisville,
1: probably. So he was he was preoccupied with pregame <laughs> that's stuff. That's probably so. true. Braum might be already a hat, one foot out the door, but it's it, just confusing. And I mean, I think that's the question: is is like, there's been a lot of other good offensive coaches been hired over the last few years, and occasionally there's a step back by that offensive scheme, and. I I don't know, I'm scarlet-colored glasses here. I just have the sense that I think the offense is going to work to some degree mm-hmm. in every game we play forward, you know? I,
0: I think the biggest difference between Nebraska, and let's use Purdue in that as that example, but just in general, it's not that we'll never get shut down on offense ever again under Frost. I'm not saying that, but Martinez is such a difference maker because you really can't take everything away from him. We just saw with A.J. Bush, a former Husker here, it, we talked about last week how it was going to be interesting to see how we could defend against a, a mobile QB, and the answer was not well, at least in the running <laughs> game. But throwing the ball—if you put that ball in the AJ Bush's hands and you've got to throw it forty times a game to beat us—we're going to—we'll blow you out every time because he can't do everything. Martinez well, also
2: on the plus side, at least uh, you know the Illini receivers could take nothing in their hands, so that helped out a lot too. <laughs> yeah. well,
0: Martinez, Martinez can complete the seventy percentage. You know, or seventy percent of passes, he can run the ball twenty sometimes, like he did against Ohio State. If we need him to, he can do so many different things well. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the same thing about Blau at Purdue. And it's possible to shut Blau down, especially in let's say the run game. You know, I mean, he's not as multifaceted as what we have, and we've got a QB that game in and game out. Try to stop
3: everything that we do. Yeah. Well, he could be a just, little bit off in his passing game and it not kill your offense because he can always run.
0: Well, we thought he was you know? off in this passing game this week, and he completed 70%. Yeah.
3: yeah, and he I liked how they came out, though, running with him. You know, that big you know, 30-some-yard run at the, in the first drive. It just sort of set the tone. I, we've been so good out of the gate. Our first scripted plays have been fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a really good discussion point. Really quick, guys, is that I think it's a sign of of how difficult – it is to defend the Scott Frost offense is that the success you have in that first drive, clearly you feel like those plays are going to work. And, well, let's just face it, they're working right now. That first drive out of the gates has been phenomenal. Yeah, it's
3: taken fewer and fewer plays to go just about the same amount of yardage. You know, heaven forbid we got good field position, and then, jeez. But our well, yards would go down. Nebraska,
0: <laughs> its the uh, it's a – Program record seventh straight game of 450 or more yards of offense. That's never happened in the that's really surprising. Of the
1: almost, I, I feel like back in the 90s, 450 just would have been like I mean, you would have done that by the third quarter in almost every game. I was really surprised. We
3: barely ever had over 100 yards passing, so you well, yeah, ran a lot. Well, I, I know, the, but we ran a lot,
0: and yeah. we probably had better starting field position and everything. That sure, could actually. Sure. Let, and, you know, I like to think that we have enough penalties this year to give us more yardage, too. You know, it, it all adds up. It always gives us the long field, and the long field gives you yards. But, yeah, the name of this segment, our offensive segment, Scoring Explosion, it's shocking that the, the 83 team didn't do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? Boomer, maybe if we have enough time through this this show, if we could look up what we've averaged offensively since the Michigan game, and then compare that to the '83 and '95 teams, just as total yardage. I wonder too, if uh, I've been those because days. it's intriguing. Because we're only only 13th in the country right now, and I, I'm wondering yeah. how much is that being dragged down by the first couple of games, or actually, really, the Troy game and the Michigan game, um, or is it just because the offenses are that much more explosive and productive than you know the '80s or '90s? It's, it's an intriguing thing.
0: Well, one thing one thing I did want to bring to it. We're talking about Martinez. Is how about his uh, position coach? We didn't get a chance last week because it, it didn't quite happen. But Verdusco up for uh, the Broyles Award. Yeah, Coach Coach V. Yeah, that's
1: pretty cool. There, there and, was a really good there, yeah. uh, BTN segment on uh, Frost and Coach V and the recruitment of Martinez and how much they you know saw um, uh, Mariota in him. I mean, it was it was a good little piece.
0: That's awesome.
1: All right, only thing I want to wrap up with offense, uh, guys, obviously you, you, we mentioned the potential injuries. Hopefully that everything's okay. Is there anybody out there you'd like to see maybe in the game plan in the next two weeks that we haven't seen a lot of? I mean, we, I was excited about Miles Jones, but it sounds like he's injured. I mean, is there anybody else out there that you'd like to see in the next two weeks as a changeup?
3: Not so much a changeup, but just the continuing use of the tight end is going to be huge going forward, especially with these uh, – you know, these good run defenses where they're going to face because you, you figure you're going to have some of the bigs in there a little bit more. So if we can get those guys involved in the passing game quick, soften them up, I think that can – that's kind of how this offense works. Both the passing and the running game have to work pretty consistently and then you just – you can drive.
0: I, I agree. We were where we were sitting at the game. We were in the, the West Club seats. Ooh, it sounds great, Ooh. but it was because they were selling them for cheap because of the, the cold. But anyways, uh, we were kind of with a group of about 20 guys and we were trying to call – The next play. And it was the touchdown pass that ended up going to Stoll, and it was third and goal. And that was the thing. It's like, well, what should we do? And I was saying, you know, get get Stanley out by himself and go one-on-one with them. And just seeing how and we actually did that. We sent him out and he was one-on-one. But man, they they went back to Stole and getting that tight end involved. He got behind the linebacker, touchdown, a consistent tight end play. And we saw quite a bit of Allen out there too. Um I didn't quite see as much raft all. Maybe I just missed him, but Allen was playing a bit. So I'll say Allen. To answer your question, Dave, I'd say Allen would be my guy. I'd love to see him just keep getting more involved.
1: Sure. That yeah, was a great throw by Adrian there to, to stole for that touchdown, just over the reach of the the linebacker. All right, guys. Uh, oh, one, one more thing. Just, oh, I'm, I'm, ahead, I'm sorry because we get caught up in Adrian Martinez. But
3: Stanley Morgan is playing at an all-conference level right now. That guy is balling out. Like, I've never seen him. That one touchdown pass that he caught where he adjusted on the fly, hands catch over the shoulder, that was an amazingly difficult catch. He made it look easy. And his running after the catch has been tenacious. I've really – I'm surprised how much better he has gotten this year. I mean, of all the guys. I mean, you always hear about how hard he tries in practice and what a great leader he is, but he is showing up on the field. All it's Ameri- been awesome.
0: All-American level, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, It let's... wouldn't
1: take
3: much to convince
0: when me you, at when all. you look at the touchdowns. I mean, yeah, you
1: look at the numbers, and, I mean, he's now passed J.D. from a yardage standpoint and definitely all-conference, if, if not more. So, he's had a heck of a he's year. He's so
3: good on the 50-50, you know. That's that's where we I feel like we struggled last year. And for all the love that we had of uh, Williams last year, Troy Walters has got these receivers catching everything. You almost wonder if that's a result of all the reps they get in practice on offense. You know, they catch the ball over and over and over again because they get so many reps. Hmm. I mean, they, the hands have been – the drops – I don't know, Boomer, what those were last year. At this point, but I'd be curious to see how many drops in comparison. Well,
0: it's it's almost like that Walters guy's know you know knows what he's talking about. Maybe uh, maybe Morgan <laughs> can win a Bolitnikov or something.
1: Yeah, if he had another year, that's for certain. Yeah. All right, guys, let's uh, head over to the defensive side of the ball. Throw the bones, the defensive breakdown, and uh, let's talk about the black shirts a little bit. Um, you know, 500 yards given up again. Uh, a mobile quarterback can do that to you. A.J. Bush did, uh, I think, have 25 carries for 187, uh, but did struggle throwing the ball with two INTs. Kind of what we expected, really. I mean, their running back Corbin was a little bit down. He got nicked up. Um, and honestly, the turnovers were the difference there on that side of the ball. Mac, what were your impressions?
3: Yeah, when you look
1: at the totals, it. it
3: it's unsettling. They don't. They don't impress. But as as I was watching it, I liked how we were flying around. I liked how we were hitting. I mean, you can see the guys have really bought in in the uh, in attacking the ball and trying to strip that thing out. They are after it, and it's starting to work. And I, you know, going forward, that's going to be a thing. You know, and I love that. So. Yes, yards too many, um, but again, it was the first time we'd really faced a mobile quarterback, and some of that stuff isn't going to be addressed until we have just a few more athletic playmakers on the defense that could kind of shore that up. We did okay. He'll be the most mobile quarterback we'll face going out this year. So, um, on the whole, not too bad. And, and the secondary continues to impress. They're playing
1: better each week. Yeah, we're, we're not going to see A.J. Bush again here with Iowa or Michigan State. Um, Hawk. Yeah, I think the effort
0: is there. And one of the plays that I, I highlighted, and I want to make sure I say it before I forget it, there's a tackle that Mo Berry makes after they, I think they completed a pass, like a quick strike out to the left, and there's two defenders going right up against the, the receiver. Uh, we, they end up missing the tackle. They make good contact, but they just don't bring them to the ground, and then Barry comes in and cleans it up. The point behind that is, that from a culture standpoint, if that was a year ago, he might just not even run to the play because there was two defenders right there in position to make the play. And they should nine times out of 10, make that tackle and they didn't, but he hustles, gets to the spot and cleans up a play. And it's just, it's little things like that. And Barry was all over the field yet again, love everything about that guy. He is, he is the black shirt. He is
3: the, he is the captain. He is everything. Any chance he gets an even all conference mention. I mean, he's got a lot of tackles. He's averaging, I'll say nine, no, I'll he? say
0: no for no other reason. Our our defense has been so poor that is fair overall this year that it's yeah. going to be really hard for him to get get on that. But
1: you know, I, I think it is interesting. Maybe I'll bring Boomer in on, on this one. It, is the, in the sense that watching the offense and then in the defense and, and someone like Mo Berry it just because we're three and seven and uh, we started off zero and six. I just feel like. No one's really paying that much close attention to us right now, and that could change in the next couple of weeks here with Michigan State and Iowa, I guess, but it does feel like we're flying underneath the radar a little bit on how we're performing over the last few weeks.
2: Boomer? Yeah, I think so, and part of that's, you know, the teams we've played. You know, as much as I love the bits of broken chair Nebraska and Minnesota, you know, doesn't ring a lot of bells. Nebraska, Bethune, <laughs> Cookman, nobody's going to notice. You know, Nebraska, Illinois, you know, no one cares about that. You know, the side of the Red Grange era. But, um, you know, and honestly, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Let's just kind of keep chugging along, yeah. doing what we're doing, getting better. You know, we don't need everyone, you know, national media telling everybody how great they are all of a sudden and, you know, kind of lose focus if they would do such a thing. I'd hate for that to happen. But, no, I, I think it's okay, just kind of where we're at. You know, you're, we are 3-7. and seven. Let's just keep going forward and uh, let's start showing those improvements.
1: Uh, yeah, best 3-7
2: and seven team in the country though, right? <laughs> You know, I'll keep... right. i are probably right. I haven't checked the full stats yet, but I do want to, I do <laughs> yeah, want to I throw would... that out there. Yeah.
0: Urban Meyer said that uh, he would not want to play us again, so yeah, I'll disagree with him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else on the, on the defense? Uh, like Mac mentioned, the turnovers are coming fast and furious now, and I, I think that's going to be a, a hallmark of this defense. But do you feel like they are going to get? I mean, it's interesting. The next two weeks going forward, I mean, you feel like run game wise. You think they're going to be better against the run because they don't have the mobile QB? Um, Do you expect a a performance in the, you know, under 300 range, I suppose, versus uh, Michigan State and Iowa?
0: We will be better against the run because of the lack of the mobile QB. Now, that doesn't mean that they're running back, you know, they might have one that goes out and gets 180 on us or something. But that QB, what Bush could do by pulling it down, I mean, damn near if I was – if I was Michigan State and I had all the, the the troubles their offense had, I'd just throw a wildcat QB against us. You know, what I mean, They'd probably have as That's much success good as anything. Um, but uh, but the turnovers, I want to be very clear. And this started happening about three or four weeks ago. Really, we're really starting to see the defense strip at that ball and and start to be successful. It's it's becoming very apparent and not at the expense
3: of the tackle either no you know it's not going in there and trying to strip the ball they're securing and ripping there or and you know this is important too there's a another guy around there to scoop it up which is huge because if you're not hustling to the ball those those balls kind of skitter out of bounds or you never recover them i'm like that's one that i mean honestly this game all the breaks went our way all of them Uh, illinois played terrible football and it just doesn't ever feel like teams ever do that against us you know, that's weird. Well,
0: you know, when, when we were struggling early, earlier in the year and the bounces would go Wisconsin's way or whatever, the, the old statement was that, uh, you know, good teams make their own luck and, and yeah. the better the team, you know, you're going to have less turnovers and penalties and all those things. Well, I mean, there's an element of that Illinois is really, really horrible. Boomer, you could do a breakdown on their special teams. But but at least Nebraska, we're getting better. We're a better team, and, yeah, we're probably getting a few better Bounces going our way in luck because of it. Frost effect.
1: Yeah, it's happening, guys. You're right. I mean, it's intriguing to watch that defense. And just the hustle of the ball just can change everything, right? And you got to be there to make the turnovers and and recover the ball, et cetera. And uh, what intrigues me on that is how long it actually takes to turn the culture, right? I mean, just the hustle it takes to make the play. It's taken six, seven, eight, nine games to get there, but they're there now. I mean, they're still not stopping enough yardage-wise, but turnovers, culture is actually, it, it, it's, it's happened.
0: It's kind of like the Tootsie Roll Pop, how many licks to get to the middle. You know, how many, how many games does it take to change the culture? Seven. Mm. The answer is seven.
1: <laughs> seven the answer is seven. The world may never know. Well, I'm glad we got that figured out. Uh-huh. All right, guys. I didn't yeah, think yeah else no, no, it's
3: not, it's not buy-in anymore. It's, it's attention to detail. Sure. You know, it's that's what, that's what's the difference maker. Guys be, loving be... each other.
0: Bo- Boomer, do you have a special teams breakdown?
2: Well, mostly just Illinois is the bigger dumpster fire of special teams that I've seen all year, and that's even compared to our special teams. I mean, that was just incredible. I mean. <laughs> They'd have been yeah. better off just not having anybody back to field punts. I mean, Yeah, two drops, amazing. right? I mean, yeah, yeah, two drops. I mean, really watching Illinois play was kind of like watching Nebraska early on this season. It's just they had an offense. They could have threatened teams, but they just found ways to completely implode in that game. And it was nice to see Nebraska take advantage of a team handing you mistakes. And they, yeah, we, we sure hadn't done did. that earlier in the season when teams would do that. And this time we did, and that shows what you can do. So that can make up for a defense that's not quite performing at level. and. Our special teams did okay in comparison, actually quite well in comparison.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, quick uh, thing to wrap this up, guys, with, with the Illinois breakdown is, uh, uh, and I want everyone's opinion on this Lovey Smith, is he going to get it done? I mean, in relative terms for Illinois, Lovey Smith, is he going to get them to be more competitive in the Big Ten West? Honky. I would
0: just
3: say no. Max. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Probably not. He's been there long enough to change some stuff probably not Boomer
2: I'd have to say no I don't know what NFL you know coaches really have shown a
1: ton of success
2: in the Big Ten you know West doing anything like that And so if
1: yeah if, if, okay I'll ask one more question then if you were the, the Illinois AD would you make a change or is this one of those things where it's like I don't know who else I would get so I might as well write them out for a few more years
0: well, isn't this the same AD that hired him and like took yes, the huge, sir. huge risk? So he's kind of in an I-course position with Riley where hes it's not going to come from that AD.
2: And how much money do they owe him, do you suppose? It was a unfortunate lot. I, lot think, he's, I think he's got at least one more on year. Like
3: the Cornhusker football team right now. But, <laughs> but he is young. Who knows? They could be a little bit better. Um, but, I mean, I, I think shaking up to, to lose a coach like him – to get how much better. I don't know if it's worth it. You might as well give him a little more time. See if he improves with his defensive coordinator pick. Who knows?
1: Yeah. I mean, they they are more competitive this year, I guess is my point. Uh, Even uh, with uh, the late change to the D coordinator position, et cetera. And I mean, I mean, honky would say, Hey, he has to have his quarterback and he obviously isn't going to have his quarterback as of next year, I would guess, because he's got a graduate transfer fifth year guy in AJ Bush right now. So but uh, I just don't know what Illinois else could do, so I think they're going to hang around with with Lovey for a couple more years.
0: It wouldn't surprise me, no.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough depressing news on Illinois football. Let's uh, let's move on, guys, and uh, head into our next segment. Sweep left. All right, fellas, let's uh, take that wide angle view of all things college football and go sweep left. Uh, before that. Let's uh, talk uh, with Boomer here a little bit. I asked him to do some stats on the Nebraska offense. Uh, what did you find out?
2: Uh, yeah, I crunched the numbers real fast, so uh, hopefully my uh, spreadsheet skills paid off here. But um, uh, we're just a little bit off pace of the uh, 83 and 95 teams for the average. Um, they averaged uh, uh, arithmetic mean. The uh, 83 team was 541, 95 was 562 a game. Uh, This current bunch, we're averaging uh, 482 yards a game. However, that is with the uh, dismal, dismal uh, Michigan performance and uh, Troy, which was kind of an odd circumstance as well. If you look at the median, though, um, the uh, the median there is 500 yards for this season, which is actually on par with the 1983 team for the scoring explosion. So it is actually a very similar offense to that. If you look at just the sheer numbers, if you can throw out that Michigan outlier. So, that's actually pretty surprising. So, this is one of the most potent offenses we've had in quite some time. If you throw out the Michigan game, Dave, we're averaging about 522 yards a game. And that's with the Troy game in there still. So, we're averaging wow.
1: 522 Yeah, with the Troy game in yes. there, which was with a horrible the Troy game. game. In there. Yeah, with a backup quarterback for our second game. Yeah. Okay, so let's just, I want to hear those stats again. 522 Yeah. If we take the Michigan game out, but keep Troy in for this yep. year, and the '83 season was what? Uh, they averaged 5:41 a game, so an extra 20 yards and a 95. Yep. Uh,
2: 5:62. They were pretty solid. That extra for 40. That's
1: yeah. really good. Wow! Wow!
2: If we take if we took out Troy, which now we're really getting kind of crazy here. Yeah, it's 5:41 this season. So yeah, if you there took you out go. took out Michigan, took out Troy, this offense is performing at 83 levels for total yards
0: basically if you took out michigan and then just counted the games that martinez is playing which means Mm -hmm. take troy out
2: yeah we're basically
0: at the offensive potency levels of the scoring explosion at least in correct
2: yep at least in total yards yeah it's dead on Mm
0: -hmm. well actually it even shows all the more importance of of the mistakes that we were making throughout the season, how that affects your points. Because when you put up the amount of yards that the 83 team was putting up, you would expect to see 84 and 72 and 60 kind of numbers. Sure. And we just weren't. I mean, that's the points per play and the points per per game, mm-hmm. you know, differentials that we were seeing, in, especially in those first six to seven games. Right. Yeah. And as we wow. know, it takes seven games to flip a culture, so.
1: Yes. <laughs> We've now realized that's that's actually in the books now, seven games. It's science. All right, well, I don't know if it's science, but let's do the mailbag, Honk. Uh, What do you got for us?
0: All right. Well, first one up is uh, from Brother Fudd. And this one I'm going to ask to Mac and Boomer, and I'll ask separately here. I'll start with Mac. On a scale of 0 to 10, with 10 being very pleased,
3: how pleased are you with our beloved Huskers on Saturday? I would put it at a eight um a very pleasedness one i liked that we came out we scored a bunch of points on this team a team we should have scored a bunch of points on the turnover machine kept going and even ramped up a little bit big fan of that um we got our playstation numbers in for the guys that needed it and you know the defense gave up some points but whatever man it was another fun game to watch so i'll give it man after the last couple years i'll give it an eight give it an eight well, Boomer, the reason I'm asking you on the other end of this
0: is that I typically expect you to be a little more uh, cynical of things. So, uh, <laughs> zero to ten, where were you at?
2: Uh, I'd probably put it somewhere around, a, you know, seven point five. Let's go with that. I'm not too far off from Mac there. Yeah, the offensive performance is that's just exactly what you want to see. I mean, my God, they looked great and hard to stop, and I'm excited to see. You know, we'll probably talk more about that as this podcast goes on. Kind of what this offense is going to do to the rest of the Big 10, you know how they're going to have to respond to it. Special teams, you know, they were solid. Uh, you know, Pickering was in kicking for for Lightborn on kickoffs. They weren't great kicks, but they were, you know, in bounds. So, that's a step forward. <laughs> nice. We'll take that. that yeah, is uh, the So, bar. that, you know, we didn't didn't try any field goals really in that kind of weather. Uh, well, one, but you know, that's great there. Blocked a punt. You know, when's the last time we blocked a punt? Any idea? It's oh my had to god. Have been 2014. I think it was I think I 2014. I yeah, it's I had to have that. been a while. So that's good to see. Defense is a concern. Uh, you just can't give up that many rushing yards and hope to win games like that all the time. But it worked this week, so let's take it, enjoy it. It was fun. I don't mind being cold. There's always runses and other things you can use for that, and we're good. So very
0: yeah, nice. Absolutely. All right. Our, uh, our other question here, and I got the questions out uh, late this week, so we only had a few that got in here. But this one's from Springfield Nate. Uh, please help. And, okay, so Dave, for you. Please help. With this season winding down, I'm already getting anxious about the 2019 season. How in the name of Scott Andrew Frost am I supposed to make it through the off season? What do you do during spring and summer to keep yourself distracted from the lack of Husker football?
1: Sure, great great question there, Nate. Uh, I would say two things. One, enjoy all things Husker sports, right? Nebraska basketball should be great and should distract you, at least for a couple of months this year. Uh, We may talk about this a little bit more, but they absolutely blew out South Louisiana uh, today, so um, it should be a fun season. Enjoy baseball. Just just pay attention to the other sports, right? Volleyball may make another run, etc. Two, uh, just enjoy the buildup to the 2019 season because uh, if it ends the way we expect 2018 will end with some good performances in these last two games recruiting cycle kicks in and we have a good class spring ball is going to be here before you know it um, the coverage is going to be uh, you know, fast and furious from all the media outlets just enjoy everything because the build-up of 2019, as we know, even in a season like this where we are 3-7 and seven right now, it goes all too fast. So enjoy the buildup and embrace it. I'd also like to
2: tell Nate you can uh, kill a lot of time trying to get uh, former pro wrestlers into the Nebraska Athletics Hall of Fame. <laughs> so if he wants to jump on that train, I, I can always use the support there.
0: A uh, boomer, do you have a, a particular uh, wrestler in mind? I guess it's been a while since we've. Uh... Well, it has,
2: yes, and I, I think we'll have some time to bring that up. Maybe not this show, but uh, perhaps in a, you know in a week or two um, when we've got some time to fill. Yeah, we can uh, mention the Baron again and just how he definitely needs to be in our uh, our Sports Hall of Fame. So there's some emails you can send and uh, some Hashtag groups we can join and get this rolling. So.
1: Induct the Baron. That's darn exactly straight. Exactly right. Yeah.
0: Well, Dave, I think you bring up a good point with the buildup too. Mm-hmm. Is that you know, preseason magazine season starts in late May, early June. And this if we end this season right here, the next two games, I mean, that, it could be fun to to buy Athlons and sporting news and see, see some Husker names littered all over it.
3: I, oh, I guarantee Adrian Martinez will grace the cover of many of those <laughs> in this region.
1: No, that's a good point. Well, l- let's start there. This is sweep left, so I want to kind of take it all the way out to all of uh, college football. But let's start with the Big Ten West and just kind of get a little bit bigger as we go. Uh, The Big Ten West is a mess, guys, right? Um, And in my opinion, (laughs) 2019 is for the taking from Nebraska because you have Northwestern now already locking down the Big Ten West with two weeks to go uh, because uh, Iowa has some issue with playing their best player on the offense. I don't understand it. Purdue just absolutely gets blown out by Minnesota. Uh, Wisconsin loses to Penn State. Uh, the Big Ten West is just a mess, right? Boomer?
2: Yeah, this is just the craziest I think we've seen a division since we've been in the Big Ten just for just kind of ineptitude from teams that you really should have expected a lot better from. Uh, you know, we always we've expected a lot out of Wisconsin, although you know, people in fairness, including some of this podcast thought they might have taken a step back this year, and they've taken several steps back, it certainly seems. Um, we had a such a slow start. I think you might have heard about it on the podcast here a few games in. And just what Iowa's done this year is just such a disappointment for them. Uh, Talking about that earlier with another associate. I mean, if you'd have started the season and you'd say, at this point in time, Wisconsin would already have four losses, Northwestern would have lost every non-conference game, including to Akron, and Nebraska would have started off 0-6. If you were the Hawkeye fans, you just had to assume you were just dominating the West and that was yours for the taking. And they're staying a good chance to finish fourth in the division at this they point. Will,
1: they've lost three straight, right? Yeah,
2: and they play Illinois next week and uh, us the week after that. No guarantee they're going to win that. I mean, Ference might bench everybody, you know, by the time those games <laughs> start. I don't know. So,
1: yeah, uh-huh, it's, it's
2: this is a goofy, goofy year. I mean, and then you got Purdue. Like you said, they can go out and beat up Ohio State one week, and I don't know what they did against Minnesota. I guess the snow threw them off. I, I have no idea what that was. It's just that was one of the worst performances I'd seen out of Purdue all year. and. That's a team that lost Eastern Michigan, but that was even worse there against Minnesota. I don't know what was going on with them. It's just been a bizarre,
1: bizarre year. So, Yeah. Honky, uh, you can take this wherever you want. You can attack uh, friends for uh, not playing fan. You can speculate on Jeff Brom going to Louisville, wherever you want to go.
3: Yeah.
0: I, well, I think Boomer hit it really well there with the West. I mean, the only team he really didn't break down was Minnesota, which, you know, has two horrendous defensive games in a row. They fire their defensive coordinator, and then they – Play out of their mind against Purdue and and uh, defensively damn near what held them to ten and even got a defensive yeah. touchdown. What the, what it in makes the world? No sense. Purdue, you know, Boomers touched on it a couple times. Petrino leaving uh, or being fired today from Louisville that seems to open that up. It is just an absolute open wild west field right now in the West, and all I can say is it it that breeds to the off season hype that's going to be around Nebraska. We absolutely can win the West. Re- even separate from all this, we could win it anyways, but because of this, I'm, I'm almost we're the favorite in my mind. We, we have the most stability from the coaching ranks, uh, maybe aside from I guess uh, Northwestern has stability, I guess with, with
1: stability and, and positivity besides positivity but,
0: yeah. but mm-hmm. a lot of times you want to build around a quarterback and coming back off of this season, the quarterback in the West next year heads and bounds above anybody else is going to be Martinez. who would even yeah. coming back would even remotely Compete against him for first-team Big Ten West, you know, honors. So, coming into the season, so I mean, we we have the the right basis to to build up from there. But, but yeah, you start to go right away from that. There was a stat that was thrown out here today, and this is this gets to be national. We're eleven weeks into the season, and there are exactly two Power Five teams with two losses: LSU and Syracuse. That's it. Is there has there ever been another season like that? I mean, there's just
1: there is. Yeah, just to clarify that there's obviously an undefeated, uh, power five. There's Correct. one lost power five. Yep. There's three lost power five. There's a whole bunch two. of them, in fact. And, and but there's only two that have two losses, like that middle ground where you're pretty yep. good but not great, right? Yep. It's, it's you're really good or you're not good at all. It's weird. Yep. And
0: when you think of the SEC as as the team, you know the, I guess right now they have a team with two LSU. They have a team with one Georgia. And then they have uh, Alabama with, with none. Uh, but, you know, Kentucky this week, it was a two-loss team coming in there, and then they go and they lose to Tennessee like that. I mean, there's just been – there's not a lot of great teams right now. There's a lot of – I really believe this. This was a question we asked last week about Could is Nebraska playing at a top 25 level right now? And I could argue that we are because I don't think once you get past about eight or nine or ten, I don't know there's a huge difference anymore between 11 – through seventy, I, I have no idea. I mean, there's just a there's yeah. a, a big blah of teams, and they're just constantly playing equally crappy or equally well from week to week. Boomer, you've mentioned this with Northwestern. They just kind of pick whoever their opponent is, and they play to that level, so they can yeah. they can you know be seven up seventeen nothing on Michigan one week, and still you know they lose, but they were up playing very competitive with Michigan, and then they beat Rutgers by three, you know, and and here and they, they lose are. to
1: Akron, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and that's. That's the opposite. I mean, it, it, Northwestern at least is consistent, no matter what they go. But then you have uh, it's what it feels like some teams that have super highs and super lows in the same season here, and it, it, it's it's confusing on the whether it's the matchup or the motivation or whatever. But um, it, it seems like the performances across the board on some of these teams. I don't know.
0: Well, I'll Mac? give I'll give our our pick'em champs both both Dave and, and Mike. Uh, I'll, Boomer, I'll give you guys each kind of a little bit of credit. You've each picked a team that I think has been successfully one of the those top ten. Dave, you've been high on Michigan from the beginning, and Boomer's been big on on West Virginia. Yeah, and those are two teams. West Virginia specifically has very little talk still about them, and those are actually two teams that that right now are playing as well as
1: anybody. Yeah, Will Greer is uh, you know definitely playing at a level there, Mac.
3: Yeah, and I mentioned Tom Herman earlier this season about I'm really curious about how his season's gonna go. Zach Smith Zach Smith had some things yeah, to say. Yeah, Zach about Smith Tom, Tom, Tom Herman's really. year, so yeah, <laughs> finger on the pulse, guys. Finger on the pulse.
1: That's right. Redcast right. gets results, don't yeah. yeah, we? Sorry, right. Tom. Oh God. <laughs> you know, and uh I mean, Texas is actually having an okay season. They are three, I think. Yeah. You know, they could win nine games and I don't know. or the Cotton Bowl or something at this point. He's kind but. of
3: bizarre on the sideline. He's, he's some of his antics, you know, maybe it's cuz he's at Texas is highlighted more, but he's kind of a you know, yeah. not no, so I, awesome on the sideline. I
1: hear you, Mac. It's it's one of those things where like again, I'm very curious about um, you know, the the perception of frost right now in Nebraska. I feel it's just going to be kind of consistent. This is what we're going to get. But mm-hmm. Tom Herman at Houston was this like, "Oh, I love my players so much." And I show them my love and and now it like is, is his public perception at Texas has been completely flipped and yeah. it's just like out of the blue why. Yeah,
2: it's weird. Well, the pressure is probably a little more ramped up coaching yeah. at Texas than it is at Houston, in all fairness. He's probably got a little more
1: Sure, that's the same thing with UCF
2: yeah. and Nebraska too, right? Yeah, true. Yes.
0: Well, speaking yeah, of UCF, that's also
2: his second year at Texas, so who knows? Yeah, yeah. Maybe speaking of
0: UCF, to... uh, uh, game day this week coming to Orlando.
1: Yeah, they are kind of just uh, kind of you know bite that and and, and go there. They've been uh, Herb Street and others have been very critical of UCF and have not really given them a lot of credit. And honestly, this year UCF it's even weaker of a schedule than last year's mm-hmm. UCF team. They played closer games. They only beat Navy by 11 points this week. They've they've had some tough games versus Memphis. And I, I mean, they're just not as dominant. But they're still undefeated, ranked, what, 12th or so. And so they get a, a great opportunity. Cincinnati uh, being coached by Luke Fickle, who uh, coached against Nebraska there, actually, when he was the interim, doing a, a pretty darn good job there. Uh, with the Bearcats, and uh, so they 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 get a uh, I presume Cincinnati might be ranked uh, this week here coming up, so a top twenty-five matchup with game day there in Orlando. I'm sure Lee Corso is gonna love that because I think he lives in around Orlando, right? Yeah, (laughs) they'll probably spend all their time talking about
2: Alabama, so just as well. Totally. Got to break down that Citadel matchup.
0: Well, and and that leads us to it's SEC-FCS weekend. Yay! We need to get some intro music for that. (laughs) (laughs) We do have
1: our own experience with this, so we at least understand what it's like to to play against a Bethune-Cookman and get a a free bye week when you're not really getting the bye week. Uh, But, yeah, this is the the week that Citadel – comes to town to Tuscaloosa. Uh, a few actually have a little bit more of a challenge. UAB comes to Texas A&M, etc. cetera. But uh, the SEC essentially is this is when they start taking a week off, right? Yep. Uh, all right, guys. Anything else here? You know, the uh, Pac-12, also an absolute mess, particularly the Pac-12 South. Uh, Utah did beat Oregon. Uh, that was my lock of the week. Uh, but USC lost to Cal. Uh, Arizona State has actually uh, clinched a, a bowl game for uh, Herm Edwards. Uh, Washington State uh, looks like they're a clear cut there, but they're not getting any love from uh, the committee on the playoff. Um, you feel like the playoff's kind of like a done deal here with Clemson, Alabama, uh, Big Ten champ, Notre, and Bain, yeah. Notre unless, Dame? Yeah, unless there's some big
2: upsets that's going to be locked in. I mean, it's you might sneak Oklahoma in over the Big Ten champ, possibly, depending on, you know, who that Big Ten champ is. You know, how State, I, if they I happen was... to upset Michigan, you know, their recent playoff, you know, just collapses might actually hurt them, you know, just in terms of some sort of perception. And God only knows what the committee decides at any given time. They try to find a way to sneak three SEC teams in this year, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, the Pac-12 is just such a dumpster fire altogether, your marquee name teams are doing nothing, and they're depending on Washington State, who's on it, you know, their games go till midnight, and nobody's watching them, and it's going to be tough. I mean, but you know the way this season's going, you know we'll probably see Northwestern and the Pac-12 South Champ win their games and get matched up in a Rose Bowl of you know two five hundred <laughs> teams playing. So, granddaddy of them all, will be looking forward to that. So, I, that's true. I think Notre,
0: Notre Dame's very important here to, in terms of, when I think of the playoff, I think of how do you keep and prevent two SEC teams from getting into it, or more. But clearly, Alabama winning out is important. To keeping one SEC team in, if they can win out, every SEC team will at least have two losses. Um, Notre Dame is an extra wild card because they're not a you know a power five team, but or one of the five conferences, but they they certainly will be in. Clemson keeps winning, and then I think the pecking order is it would be the Big Ten champ, unless something crazy happens, followed by the Big Twelve champ between West Virginia or Oklahoma with one loss, unless something crazy happens potentially followed by a one loss Washington state your Pac12 champ if they can make it all the way through and if all those things you know happen at some point you might start to get another SEC team in but gosh i just hope it i hope alabama just wins out that you don't want them to lose a game unnecessarily and get things messy just mm. Well, out. if
2: Alabama could lose two games, that would be okay. But yeah, well, the well, big, the big trick with the Big Twelve, yeah, the big trick with the Big Twelve is going to be West Virginia and Oklahoma play each other in the last game of their regular right. season, and they could theoretically play that game and turn around and play each other again in the conference title game, and which they, decided they added the next week. Yeah. yeah, they could split that, and they'd each have two losses, and they could easily knock the Big Twelve out. Of a playoff bid, but you know we know the Big 12 never takes their teams out due to those stupid conference title
1: games. No, 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 no. that never happened happened while we were in that conference. Uh, Yeah, here's a random question. Then West Virginia actually wins out and has one loss, and then Ohio State wins out, beats Michigan, has one loss. You taking West Virginia or Ohio State?
0: I'll take Ohio State. Um, and for no other reason because they'll have that big win against a Michigan on their resume. But, Boomer, I know you might be feeling separate from me on this.
2: Yeah, I'd almost have to start considering West Virginia at that point because then you would have – Oklahoma I mean, twice. Yeah, they'll have Oklahoma right. twice. They'll have beaten Texas. They'll have beaten – well, they beat Tennessee, so there's an SEC
1: team they, on there. Their, their bad ground. loss, though, they lost to Iowa State. Is that right?
2: Yeah, they lost to Iowa State. So, and it was but like that loss isn't terrible. Yeah, I mean, is that well, is that worse than losing to Purdue? I don't think so. You'd have oh, a head outside. to head against point.
0: TCU between the two, so I don't know that how that is true. Yeah, Iowa State a, versus West Virginia did against TCU, but
2: uh West Virginia beat them like forty something to ten. They walloped them. TCU has kind of collapsed. So, yeah, I think a lot of it would depend on you know how does that Iowa State loss hang hold up by the end of the year? They beat Texas this week, and you know they yep. could actually be a good win. They would be there. Could be a top. Or top twenty-five team by the time the season's done—that wouldn't be a bad loss.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think they're a top twenty-five team like now, pretty much. So,
2: yep.
1: All right, guys. Anything else on uh, all things college football? Excellent. Nebraska ball. All right, fellas. Let's talk a little Nebraska ball. And uh, the Huskers had another uh, excellent performance uh, this time against Southeast Louisiana a 87 to 35 victory. Um, On my uh, math here, our defensive performance is now only averaging, giving up 36 points a game between Southeast Louisiana and Mississippi Valley state. So um, I guess the offense is also averaging 97 points a game. So uh, good things you're seeing out there, Boomer.
2: Yeah. I mean, No one's going to pretend these are good teams we've played, but this is how you want to look against these kinds of teams. You know, you should overmatch them on paper and overwhelm them, and we've done exactly that in these first two games. Putting up a heck of a lot of points, you know, that's nice to see, and just really shutting down teams that just don't have the talent to compete. You know, we held Southeast Louisiana to 35 points. You know, they put up, uh, I think it was 63 against LSU earlier this year, and LSU is a ranked basketball team, supposedly. So yeah. they could score points, so we held them almost half that. So there is that, you know, positive angle of it. And You know, I, you make fun of these teams, you know, with RPIs. Not that it matters this much this season, but this probably is what this team needs. Just kind of get those early jitters out. There's a lot of pressure on them, and let's just get them out there, get them playing basketball, start getting into a rhythm because there's a tough stretch coming up here.
1: Yeah, I mean it is intriguing in the sense that in previous years, I mean it's not like we haven't had these type of cupcake games before. We've always had them, mm-hmm. uh, but we usually win by like twenty or or so, you know. And sometimes, especially in you know the Doc Sadler area or, or whatnot, we we'd even like kind of struggle against some of these teams <laughs> initially, well, right? Yeah. You know, the
0: Incarnate Word, <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Oh, that- in the Sadler era, we'd hold a team to, you know, 40-some points, but we'd only win by five. So be, Yeah, you know, it yeah, was, exactly. Yeah. And it's just uh, this the offensive production here is outstanding. And uh, hockey, it is leading up to some much bigger things, starting uh, here uh, really soon against uh, Seton Hall in the uh, Gavit tip-off uh, game. So uh, what are you looking forward to with this Husker team?
0: Well, here's a chance that you know go up against a Big East team. These guys have got to be just excited as heck to, to get a chance to play that, and all the more credit in these first two games not to be looking past any of these opponents towards that. But yeah, the schedule gets gets uh, gets real in a hurry. Obviously, on Wednesday of this week, six thirty uh, Central Time on BTN is, is Seton Hall. I think it's about a week later that we play Missouri State in the beginning of that one. Uh, Kansas. Uh, Kansas City tournament where you also Hall of Fame 10, Classic, Hall of That's Fame called. Classic where you also have Texas Tech and USC in there, and then there's a five game stretch coming up where um, I can't remember the exact order, but I mean it's it's like Minnesota and Illinois and Creighton and o- Clemson and Oklahoma State all like game after five straight games. So um, yeah, they're blowing these teams out, and it's 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 fun to watch right now. They're getting some some stats in there and everything, but. Uh, you know we've had a history of playing poorly against some some bad teams the internet words and uh maryland baltimore counties or eastern
1: shores or whatever. that's right so, i forgot about that one oh yeah so God.
0: To, to to see them you know do what they're supposed to do awesome and the talent is there i mean these guys I, who was it tonight boomer did you see it like a dan dakich is that the guy on twitter dakich dakich yeah. he yeah. he said you know these are the six teams from the big 10 that are going to be in the ncaa tournament and nebraska's one of those six so hey that i'll take it
1: yeah hey mac uh i know you're usually kind of laid back on uh nebraska basketball but you happen to kind of be in the arena here uh at least for one of the the first games uh just from a like you know physical standpoint guys looking uh in shape ready to go
3: yeah they actually they really do um palmer looks like he's lost a little bit a little weight leaned out um Copeland looks visibly bigger. His shoulders are huge. He's really put on some weight. And then Roby continues to grow. I do like how Copeland works uh, away from the ball. I don't feel like he's as aggressive as he could be on offense, but the guy moves around a lot. So I was interested to see what kind of chemistry they'd have coming out of the gate because that was what was concerning to me. Uh, Watson seemed to find his niche pretty quick um, facilitating. And Roby's game comes along as the game goes. And then when Palmer you know they did a few isolation plays to get him going early, and I think that's the key with him too. So he's got a different he's got a different gear than the other guys when he goes to drive. He's kind of special in that regard, and he's finishing and you know free throws, uh, three point shooting so far has been good.
1: Yeah, I mean today's game they started slow, three point land, and then they warmed up in the second half. A lot of that was Glenn Watson, and boy, I tell you, if this offense is really gonna gonna sing, it, Glenn Watson. Adding his role, he doesn't need to be the lead scorer, but if he can hit those three-point shots, uh, same thing with Thomas Allen. It opens everything up, and Palmer and Copeland are just going to feast on that. So I think it's really interesting to see how well Glenn Watson kind of ups his game from last year's um, overall. Redcast predictions. So let's head let's head into the the picks of the week, guys. We got some some games to cover, and. It may not be the biggest week of all time, but there's still some important games. Um, let's start. In, well, you know, before we we talk uh, about this week's games, how did we do last week? I only bring that up because I think I went nine and one. You so went nine and
0: one. I looked it up. Thank I you. went eight and two. Mac went eight and two. Boomer went seven and three. I think.
1: That's what I get for trying to make up ground. Darn it. Yep. Separation. All right. Iowa. So. Yeah. Stupid Iowa. Stupid Iowa. You disappoint on every level, Iowa. <laughs> You're so Iowa. Uh, uh, well, all right. I, I I have Iowa State on this list. I don't think I have the Iowa game this week. So uh, let's start in the Big Ten West, though. Northwestern, Big Ten West champs, uh, three-point favorites versus Minnesota. Minnesota's a really hard team to read right now. Let's start with Honky.
0: Oh, and it's at Minnesota and they played really well last week against Purdue. I'm gonna row the boat and oh, we're gonna we're gonna wow. have Minnesota win at home.
1: A a disastrous scenario is Northwestern loses their last two games and is a like a six and six big yeah, ten. Champ West, yeah, but they maybe. could totally do it. It could happen. All right, Mac. Boy, I don't
3: I'll go with Northwestern. Although I could certainly see row the boat do it. Yeah, Northwestern. Yeah,
2: Boomer. Uh, I was drinking Fitzgerald cocktails all night, so I'm going to go with Northwestern just for the heck of it. Uh, there you go. And mostly because I really don't want to see Minnesota make a bowl game. I mean, that would just be feel bad, you know. Yeah, as we it. beat them, and
1: then yeah, they'd get into a bowl and we didn't. That would yeah, just, hurt. That, that, just on principle, that, that just yeah. seems wrong. Uh, all right, I'm also taking Northwestern. I'm just optimistic that they can be an 8-4 and four Big Ten West champ, but not a 6-6 six six Big Ten West champ. That would be nice. You know? Oh, awful. All right. Um, uh, boy, I had to stretch for a few games this week. This is another one that's not that exciting, but uh, worth mentioning. Utah, seven-point favorites uh, coming uh, to my state, Colorado. Uh, playing in Boulder, Utah, seven-point favorites. Boomer? Carlos. Kind of Colorado's
2: collapsing into, you know, a hash pipe fire. So there, we're going to Utah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I, I'm also taking Utah. I've been high on Utah all, all year, and they need to come through for me to win the uh, Pac-12 South
3: Mac. Yeah, I think Utah would be able to handle business in Boulder.
0: And hockey. I can't claim any elevation benefits for U- uh, Colorado this week. I'll go with Utah. It's
1: a good point point. You know, I, I noticed that normally this is the last game of the week, but this used to be, you know, Colorado's Black Friday game. Essentially, Utah replaced Nebraska, uh, but Utah's playing BYU this year in the last week, oh. so that's why they won one week early. This is a, an intriguing matchup, I think. Uh, two ranked teams, Syracuse, thirteenth uh, in the country. It's even before uh, the the committee makes uh, their selections here this week, so they can move up a little bit. Uh, heading to South Bend. Notre Dame is a nine and a half point favorite. Syracuse now, like eight and two. Dino Babers is doing a heck of a job there. Let's start with Mac. I'm
3: gonna take the Domers this year. I, I'm I'm kind of rooting for them this year.
1: I'd like to see them go. I uh, got a feeling Honky's gonna say the same thing, Honk.
0: Syracuse, lock of the week. Ah, Ooh. perfect. Oh, I forgot about. So you're actually lock of the week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you're you're locking yeah, right. Mortal Mortal the Mortal Combat. Yeah, and locks of the week going head-to-head. I like that. Oh, uh, that's great. So, I mean, Hockey, you want Notre Dame to win because yes. you want to keep the SEC from getting a second team in, but you are it's all-is-bad-in-the-world all scenario. The Cuse beat the Domers. Okay. Uh, he's hitting his bets here, Dave. So. Yeah, it's true. It's true. All right. Uh, he's smart. He's learning from the best. Boomer. Uh, Notre Dame looks pretty good. So They look good against FSU, so
2: I think I can keep that rolling.
1: Yeah, even with Book out, they still looked fine. I, I'm more and more impressed with Notre Dame every week, so I'm taking the Irish as well. All right, back to the Big Ten West, and a um, a game of underachievers at this point. I just don't even know what to say about it. Wisconsin 6-4 and four, uh, are, is a 5.5-point underdog going to West Lafayette to play Purdue who's 5 and 5 and still not bowl eligible. I just don't even understand this. I mean, a couple of years weeks ago Purdue was the darlings of the country beating Ohio State and they they may not get to a bowl. Wisconsin was a top 5 team. Ah, it's just a, a mess. Uh hockey.
0: I'm going to go with the home team. I'll go Purdue here. And I don't have
1: any reason why. <laughs> Thanks for that breakdown, yeah. Mac. <laughs>
3: Uh, with the recent firing in Louisville, I think that'll stir up some controversy. I'm
1: going to take Wisconsin. I'm also taking uh, Wisconsin. I don't know why. I just think they're a better team, so we'll see. Boomer, yeah, I'm kind of following the Max' line of thinking here. I, I, a lot of
2: distractions, I think, are going to be bubbling up at Purdue, and God, you might even see an announcement of some sort this week. So let's let's go with Wisconsin for no particular reason. Yeah, other than yep. that.
1: All right, uh, heading out to the Pac-12 uh, again. Put this on just because of the rivalry nature. We have USC, two-and-a-half-point favorites, going to the Rose Bowl across town to play ukula. Uh Chip Kelly's squad still struggling, only got two wins, so Scott Frost has now surpassed uh, Chip in the win total. And uh, Honky. I'll go USC. UCLA's a mess. USC's a mess. They lost a <laughs> Cal. I mean, it, it <sighs> this. I mean, Clay Helton's probably going to get five, USC's five and five. Does anybody know that? Yeah. That team <laughs> the, the should. Pac
2: 12, the Pac-12 is just bad. There's just no way around it. Mine, mine They're gone. less
1: of
0: a mess than UCLA is right now, I guess. All I'll right. Mac, there what you do you
1: think? Hmm. Mac,
3: you're up. Oh, Mac. Mac. Um... I'll say uh, UCLA. What the hell? Why not?
1: I always like how I, I Mac know. is so I mean, well prepared for the pick em. Yeah, He's obviously done a season. lot of research, thought about it quite a bit. All right, he's going to UCLA. Boomer? Ah, jeez, this game's a mess. USC for no reason. Uh, I'm going to go UCLA for no reason. I, I, I can't figure these guys out at all. Nope. Um... Okay, here's what I threw on just because of the interest. UAB is like I don't know what their record is. They're like eight and two or nine and one or some crazy thing like that. They're they're pretty darn good, and they're going to College Station to play a And I didn't see a spread on this. I'm sure a And M's heavily favored, but I just want to bring up UAB because that's a program that was on its deathbed. Well, they they were killed. They actually were killed yes. by the Alabama Regents, and um, by popular demand came back. Uh, it's amazing that. Alabama even cared about this program, uh, but they cared enough to kill it. Uh, but here they are. Uh, I'm going to take the Aggies, but I, I just think the Blazers. It's a great story. Boomer, uh, we're going to go with the Aggies, even though I'd
2: really love to see UAB pull this off. But that just that, that wouldn't be allowed to happen. So
1: <laughs> that's right. Uh, Hockey.
2: Well, I think it was Bear Bryant's son was
0: one of the Aggies that played a big role in killing the uh, UAB. Of course, Bear Bryant coached at A&M, and that means nothing to anything of, of this game. But <laughs> of all things, I think I was hearing earlier this year that UAB actually was one of the top defenses in the country at one point. I think statistically they were ranked up there. Uh, regardless, uh, we're going to go with
3: a and Mac. SMU.
1: <laughs> no, I don't. A and M's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's it should be a gimme for all of us. If we all lose it, we all lose it. But yeah. I just think the UAB story is just amazing. It, it really is. Uh, all right, the game. Um, I don't know. why I have so many Pac-12 games out here, but I mean they have a bunch of rivalries going. Stanford heading cross town to Berkeley. They're one and a half point favorites over the Bears of Cal, and uh, I'm. Ooh, I'm gonna think about this one. I'm gonna throw it to Mac first because he doesn't care. I don't care. Golden Bears. Nice honk.
0: Golden Bears on a last-second kickoff return.
1: Nice for a field goal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope our younger fans get that the last-second kickoff return in the 1982 game, and they actually scored on that kickoff. Ran through the band. Check out the video, guys. It's worth a look. Boomer. Oh, let's just be different. Go with Stanford. Why not? I'm also going to go Stanford. Bryce Love was supposed to win a Heisman Trophy at some point in his career, and no one's even remembering him any longer. It's crazy. Um, All right, Iowa State. There's those Cyclones. Uh, I'm not for certain if Montgomery, their running back, will be eligible in the first half or not, but they are going down to Austin to play Texas. Texas is a three-point favorite. Boomer, you you, uh, hail from the state of Texas back in the day, and what do you think? I do, yeah. Contemplating this, uh, just kind of throwing things around.
2: You know, let's go with the Cyclones. This game's going to be on the Longhorn Network, so no one will get to see the upset. But, uh, ah. yeah, let's go with the Cyclones. Why not? I'm uh, th- it now. Texas right. is good for a bad loss every year. It's time.
1: Yeah, they were close this week. They were yep. they able to uh, avoid a, um, a Texas Tech comeback there. Uh, Honk, what do you got? I'm... Actually, quite serious about this. I
0: think the things that came out tonight on Twitter, uh, we're recording on Sunday night. That this is going to be a could be a messy week in Texas with Tom Herman, all the stuff with Zach Smith. I mean, it's, if nothing else, it's a it's something that's going to be you know just be a uh, distraction. Distract. Thank you. I couldn't think of it because I was. You distracted. seem distracted
1: when trying to come up with that word. Thank wrong. you. I don't know but much.
0: Uh, I'm going to go Cyclones. there, and pulling off. I w- I don't even know if I'd call it an upset, but they're going to make fall off the win.
1: All right. Mac?
3: I think for those exact same reasons that uh, Tom Herman's probably spending more time in the office this week. You know, I just want to be home talking <laughs> to the misses. I think they'll be well prepared. Yes. And I'm picking
1: Texas to win True. because he needs one. <laughs> that's the deep thought that I expect to yeah. get from Mac. See, that's the next level. He's got a nice right? You know, Hockey says, oh, he'll be distracted. Mac's like, well, yeah, but that means he's going to be in the office like 24-7. I'm going with Mac. Uh, agree. Texas wins that game. Alright. Um game of the week on ESPN or it's actually ABC but it's college game day. Heading to Orlando, Cincinnati, uh playing Central Florida, UCF seven and a half point favorites at home. Honky. UCF. Mac. I'll say UCF as well. Boomer. Central Florida. Alright, I have nothing to go against that. Eventually this team is gonna lose, but I don't know when. Um Poor Josh Heupel. He's having a great
3: first year head coaching, and nobody cares, and nobody thinks it has anything to do with him. You know, he's having a great season.
1: That is crazy. It is true. Uh, Yeah, it's all relative, right? All right, well, uh, game uh, left on the list. We have Sparty coming to town. Michigan State uh, opened as a two-point favorite. It's now one and a half. I'm really intrigued to see where this line moves As uh, the week goes, I feel like there's got a little bit of um, movement left, uh, but we'll see what the corner scores can do against that uh, Spartan defense. Let's start with hockey.
0: Well, I'm distracted right now a little bit because I'm watching Ohio State, Michigan State. They're playing it on BTN right now, so it's in the background. But watching Michigan State last week and knowing what the stats, how it all lines up, Um, They're going to be a good run D. But I still think we're a different kind of run offense that that they haven't seen. What Martinez can bring at the QB, some of the triple option, all all the different options we have there, we're going to be able to run the ball on these guys a little bit. We're going to score some points. And I think you're going to see a Nebraska team at the end of the year on a high note. We haven't seen that forever. We've seen the last two teams we're going to play are going to look like Nebraska did at the end of the last few seasons. I think Michigan State and and Iowa are both – on their way down. I'm giving us 52 points and we're going to hold Michigan state to 27.
1: (laughs) Wow. 52 against the Spartan D that would be a sight. that would raise some eyebrows. Mac, do you believe in that?
3: Uh, I don't know if I go quite as high as 52 just because I think, well, that would just be amazing. Um, but, (laughs) but I do, I do like the way we're trending and, um, I'm starting to buy in or believe that I can trust this offense. They have been showing for weeks on end that they're really good at game planning. They're really – yards are starting to match points. Um, special teams has picked it up. Defense is playing better as a unit. Um, Martinez is healthy. We all – I mean, everybody seems to be pretty healthy as long as uh, – as long as Spielman's ready to go and Washington's good to go. Um, I don't mind that. I don't mind a mid-40. I'll say 38 for us. 24 for them,
1: yeah. 38, 24. All right, yeah, that's that sounds reasonable. Uh, Boomer.
2: Oh man, this is kind of a game I th- really am excited to watch just because I think it's gonna just really show the dichotomy of the approaches the Big Ten you know has in the past versus what it could be in the future. You know, kind of a you know solid, just bland defensive type minded team like Michigan State without any offense to speak of. Which seems to be, you know, what a lot of Big Ten teams are happy with. Versus kind of the high-flying Scott Frost offense. You know, when he said he wants the entire conference to adjust to us, this might be a game where we can prove such a thing is actually going to have to happen. So I'm I'm excited to see what we can do against a, a defense when we're clicking. Ah, uh, let's see. Michigan State was able to run against Maryland pretty well, so I think they'll be able to do the same thing. Similar to Illinois. But man, I just don't think they're going to be able to stop the offense entirely. So I think Nebraska's going to pull this off, 35 to 24.
1: Also, a very reasonable score there. I, I similar thoughts. I I, I feel like uh, we're probably going to give up some yardage running the game, uh, running the Michigan State running the the ball, and that's going to suck some time away from our offense. That's going to keep the scoring down just a little bit. And I do think we're going to be able to throw the ball on Michigan State, as long as the weather is is okay, and it seems to be trending that direction. So, um, you know, I'm I'm going to say the same. I'm going to say 35-24. That sounds sounds right to me as well. So,
0: so I have a question, guys. We've talked about how we've had seven straight games of 450 yards or more. Do you see that happening again this
1: week? yeah i think we can get 450 450 yeah i think 450
0: and and the interesting thing is is if we get over that 450 and let's say we're getting into the five hundred and stuff 50 you know i know my pick was 52 and that's that's a lot of points but if we're getting into that 450 500 yard range you know that's where point totals of that amount at least into the upper 40s and stuff that's not that's not you know, uncharacteristic of that kind of yardage. Mm-hmm. And we're getting to the point where the points are starting to kind of match the yards for us, so.
1: Yeah, a little bit of his turnovers and, t- and capitalizing on that, yeah. right? I mean, if, if we didn't get those turnovers versus Illinois, we, we don't score quite as uh, as many points. That's, uh, that's a good point, though, Honk. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think the, the, the yardage, I mean, the game could be very similar, but if a turnover or two happens – and we drop 52 on Michigan State's defense that's going to raise the eyebrows across the country more so than a 35-24 but we're going to find the
3: field position game for a change you know that could change the I, score I, right there and I really think the, the
0: QB difference i mean what AJ Bush did to us oh. is unique because there's just not many other QBs in the conference that can do that. Lewerke is not going to be able to do that. To no, us. and
2: he's he's injured anyway, so he might not even play. They don't know if he's going to start or yeah, not. They he's like 11 of 25. That, uh, the one, Lombardi, I think it is. So, Rocky Lombardi. That's yeah, cool. they've got some questions on, on offense. What quarterback are we going to see with them? That's why I'm expecting them to try to run the ball a lot. Yeah, And uh, it'll be fun to see if we can put up 450 yards. They're averaging allowing only 327 yards a game. So if we can put up 450, that would be a substantially huge jump and you're right that would raise eyebrows we might yeah. start getting that attention
1: yeah if yeah you could imagine this turning the other direction if our run defense could figure out how to stop I- anything i could see us really shutting them down to 14 or 14 points or less and us winning 35 14 or something like that you know? oh yeah mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. as Usually well so yeah. it could go in a lot starting of starting fast
3: like we have been is huge in this game if we can get out and put points oh, on the board quick drive. stress yeah. those guys to make them do things they don't want to then we get a couple turnovers, and then that's when this
1: this thing kind of takes off. Yeah,
0: Lombardi's a yep. terrible football name.
1: <laughs> Rocky's yeah, a yeah. terrible sports name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Mac. We'll wrap this up, but I mean, if, if we put pressure on Rocky Lombardi, for example, to try to catch up, if we're up 14 nothing right off the bat, that is golden, right? Because that's not Michigan State's game at all at this point. So that'd be interesting to watch. If we get out early get up early, it it could definitely trend in our direction. All right, boys, let's get out of here with some parting shots. Honky?
0: All right, my parting shot last week was a disaster, so I'm going to be quick. Uh, We have another 11 a.m. kickoff this week against Michigan State. That I think is good for us now. We have uh, made that transition to being a good early morning uh, team, and I'm expecting to see us uh, get another first uh, drive touchdown and uh, get that win.
1: Mac.
3: Ah, uh, just wishing a happy birthday to my sister, Shannon. Sorry I missed you this weekend. Hope you had a great time. Love you very much.
0: And happy birthday to Max, a uh, little girl today, too, Lucy.
3: Dude. Nine? Yeah. Big time. Crazy, man. Yeah. Wow. You almost got she awesome. doesn't listen to the show. That's why I didn't do a shout-out to You're her. Almost in <laughs> You're almost in double
0: digits for, for your kid. Yeah. Uh, a, it's my dad I'm nine right, boomer. today. Nice. <laughs> boomer. Boomer.
2: Boomer. All right, uh, uh, two parters. I'm following in Honky's footsteps here. You know, uh, first off, just a shout out to uh, some of our uh, Redcast listeners who ran into us at the game. For example, uh, uh, lawyer listener Josh. So good to always see people in person. So if you ever see us, just feel free to you know say hello or you know look through Honky's windows at his house. Whatever you want to do, that's give us fine. a hug. Something. Yeah, maybe. hugs are good. Yep, that's always good. And. Uh, we are recording on uh, Veterans Day, so it is you know kind of a solemn occasion. It's the 100th anniversary of the end of the First World War. I'm a bit of a historical aficionado, if you haven't noticed so much in the Redcast. Um, so you know, rather than just trying something cheesy on my own part, I'd just kind of like to read the uh, forward to the 1919 uh, Husker yearbook, uh, which was written in memory to the... Uh, to the football team there how we deeply appreciate, though only in part it may be and not commensurate with their deeds, how much our fellow soldiers have freely sacrificed and what they have endured of necessity and humanity's cause, and to how brilliant the final accomplishment of the final purpose towards each and every soldier can justly feel he contributed his big, all credit and praise to the last men of them, to honor, especially those Nebraskans who have endured much, who have suffered and sacrificed most, and who have risked all to return to us victors in the most gigantic world war, the wearers of emblems for distinguished service the bearers of marks of battle, the men who consecrated the ground whereon they fell, to instill in you a greater spirit and love for our university, by presenting anew the traditions which lend much to making the truly great institution, to portray to you these things which give life and color to the present, the events and activities during this most trying year. These have been our primary aims, and if you, as you brush the dust from this cover and glance through the book from time to time, feel the low-burning flame of Cornhusker spirit being rekindled, and you feel refreshed, we will be satisfied, and our hours of toil would seem as minutes then be forgotten. So I'll post uh, the 1919 yearbook link on our Twitter feed if you'd like to through it, uh, look through it. They do list uh, all the Huskers uh, alumni who fought in the Great War and lost their lives. Quite a few, both uh, in wounds and to the Spanish flu. So please take a
1: look and uh, just remember them as well. So. Thanks, Murray. That's great stuff. Uh, I would add to that, I, a grandfather that served in World War One uh, also had. My, my father served, uh, brother, brother-in-law, so absolutely happy Veterans Day and um, a very important uh, uh, note about the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One, which uh, hopefully we all remember. The importance, not, not that we were there or, or remember what it was like, but remember what it meant uh, for our country over the last hundred years to be celebrating that because sometimes we forget um, all that we have given for what we have. So with that, a go big red cast all right.
0: Michigan State.)